You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Ross Strader. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, if you were here at the beginning of the service, I sort of did this already, but my name is Todd Wright. I'm the worship pastor here at the South Campus. Uh, and time to time I get to preach when Ross is gone, and he is gone, and so I get to preach today from Luke chapter 10. And uh, I want to talk a little bit, just as a little setup, about story, uh, because I think that one of the things that makes it so hard for us to spend time in God's Word is a misunderstanding of story. There are probably some of you today that say, you know what, Todd, I do okay on the praying. I do okay on the, on the going to life group. I do okay on the worship. I do okay on coming to church. But Bible reading is just hard for me. And one of the reasons that happens, and it happens to us all from time to time, I believe is that we don't have a good understanding of story. This book, the Bible, is filled with stories, but they're hard sometimes. And you may have had times in your life where you were in a period of trial, you were in a time of struggle, and you've gone to God's Word, and you've read this story, and you've just got nothing out of it. And when that happens, it's very easy to go, well, I guess this isn't what I'm supposed to do. See, the challenge with the story, the challenge with narrative, is it's all these what are called story beats. So when you read a story, you're just following the action, right? Like watching a movie, or being at a play, or watching a musical. You're following all these beats in the story. And that's fine if you're watching a movie. That's fine if you're at a musical. It's fine if you're watching a play. But we know that God's Word is filled with these stories that He wants to use. Okay, He wants to use the stories in His Word to convict us, to teach us, to lead us into truth. The problem is, is like everyday stories... Bible stories are this way too. They don't always just hold up the moral of the story for you, okay? Now, they do that sometimes in like time travel movies. They show you the end, and then you zoom back to the beginning, but the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't often in these stories, it doesn't say, here's the moral, here's the lesson. A lot of times it just says, here's a story, dig into it. And we do want to dig into it. The story I'm going to tell you from God's Word today If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you will have heard this story. And if you grew up in church, you've probably heard hundreds of sermons about this story. So let me just tell you what my hope is for today. My goal today is not to blow your mind with some fresh take on this story. I'm probably not going to say anything that you're going to say, well, I've never thought of that before. But rather, my goal is to hold up God's Word and to lead us in a time of zooming in. Just zooming in on a phrase here, a word here, a thing here. If for nothing else than to model for you how we should approach the stories of God's Word. There is truth there. There is power there. There is wisdom there. But you have to zoom in. Okay, that's my goal is that today we would zoom in. So go to Luke 10 verse 38. We're going to start in verse 38. It's not a real long story. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to zoom in. All right? You ready? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Today I want to talk about living a quiet life in a loud world. How do you live a life of focus and purpose and power in a, in a day-to-day life where it feels like the volume of the world is like turned up to 11 all day long? See, we sit here and we can kind of pretend like, well, it's a holiday weekend. Don't worry. Everything's cool. We can pretend that for a little while, but here's what I know, and here's what you know if you'd be honest with yourself, that this season, this time of year, as fall arrives and school gets back in session, we end up over-scheduling ourselves, over-exerting ourselves, over-planning ourselves, over-committing ourselves to the point of lunacy. That's a reality for many of us. Many of us come into a season like what's coming over the next few months and we come into it with dread because we know there's so much stuff we need to do. Here's kind of how it goes. If you're married and you have kids, your life is kind of like this. The kids have sports and music lessons. Mom's got a yoga class and dad wants to get some extra hours this fall to pay for Christmas. And you need to sign up for Bible study, but you can't because you got a carpool and your car's not that reliable anyway. And you got to make sure that we get to soccer practice and you got to make sure we make the basketball tournament. And then you also got to make sure everybody eats healthy every night. And then you got to also make sure everybody's got their homework done. And then on top of all that, we got to have a family Bible study every single night that's an hour long. So we'll feel like we're accomplishing something. You can feel that way. You can feel that pressure of my life is too busy. Let's say you're not married with kids. Maybe you're married, you don't have kids. Maybe you're even a single person. This may apply to you. If you're single or married without children, it's a possibility that you're staying up way too late every night because you still think you're a teenager. Your job is kind of lousy because you show up exhausted all the time and you want to go hang out with friends, but everybody knows you don't have any money. So you're stressed every month because you can't pay the rent and you can't go to Don Juan's when you want, okay? So this season of life, and I literally mean the season, we're in the fall season, can be so busy. We hear this all the time at the church. We talk about stuff to go and do and serve and life group. And we hear this. I just, I just can't. I just can't. So let's look at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. All right. Remember, we're going to zoom in. Let's zoom into verse 38. I love that it says Martha opened her home. I want to tell you, Martha's the star of this story. If you understand anything about narrative flow, anything about writing, anything about creatively creating a scenario, this is a story about Martha. Mary's awesome, but the story is about Martha. And I love that it says she opened her home to him. So Jesus comes into Martha's home. If she's opening her home, I think that we can safely assume she wants Jesus in her home. Okay, Martha opens her home to him. When you open your home to someone, you're wanting them to come in. You are wanting to have fellowship with them. And I love this. I love this. I want to tell you, Martha's not, don't don't think of Martha as the bad guy today, okay? 
Martha opens her home for Jesus to come in. Now let me put you at ease a little bit because I just blasted you 60 seconds for being so busy, okay? If you are a follower of Jesus and your life is so busy and it's crowding out your time with Jesus, I want you to know that there's a good chance that you may be like Martha, that you want to honor Jesus. You want to be in fellowship with Jesus, but stuff has gotten in the way. So think about it. She welcomes him into her home. The plain truth is that we fill our lives with so much stuff that we think we need to have, right? So in our mind, we've got this picture of what this is what a good Christian in Tyler, Texas looks like. Well, the reality is, is that some of us don't have a clue. And so what happens to a lot of us is we just decide, man, I don't know how to live a life of purpose, so I know what I'll do. I'll just think about my friend at church. And I'll just try to figure out everything that she's doing. And I'll just sign up for all the stuff she's doing. Because she seems happy. She's like, it seems like she's got together. Or, man, that guy, I mean, his family, that seems like the godliest family I've ever seen. I don't have a clue how to raise my family. I'm just going to do all the stuff. I'm going to be like the little puppy dog. I'm going to follow him around. I'm just going to take on everything that he's doing. And then maybe my life will be like his. I want to tell you, that's not a bad intention, okay? Let me, just, let me just tell you the pressure's off. It's okay. If you're looking around going, who can, how can I, what can I do to live a life of purpose? That's, that's great, okay? So, so just own that. Yeah, I want, to, I want to open my heart to Jesus. I want to open my home to Jesus. I want to be in fellowship with Jesus. It's okay. It's okay if you're a little confused. It's okay if you think, man, I've gone about this in a way that's made my life way too busy. Many of us have looked to other people we've respected, and in our confusion, we've just adopted the stuff they, they do because that's just math. We just think, all right, I'll do it. But then here's what happens. Look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, Theologians believe, many of them, that Martha could have had in her home during this story upwards of a hundred people in her home. Now, all you type A personalities just freaked out for half a second. You're like, Martha's got it going on a hundred people in the house? What are y'all hating on Martha for, okay? But, but that's not the real beauty. I want to zoom in a little closer. Let me read it again. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So God's word has already told us that Martha opened her home. Martha's already, the Bible's already told us that Martha has done something to welcome Jesus in. And then the Bible says she was distracted. She was distracted. Now, chances are you might have noticed that I'm reading from the New International Version, not the ESV. Don't tell Ross, okay? Nobody tell him. Tell a little secret. NIV's okay, all right? If you've got an NIV, awesome. I told somebody I was reading from the NIV this morning, and they said, oh, you just picked one that said what you wanted it to say. But here's what I did. I got fascinated with the word distracted, and that's what I want to zoom in. And so this week, I tried to pull up this text and look at as many versions of the Bible as I could find. And I will tell you, while they don't all say distracted, they all speak of this same sentiment. Some say she was overwhelmed. Some say she, was, um, she felt pressure to perform. Some say that she was 
put upon, this, this idea that all of this stuff distracted her. It pulled her away. So I don't want you to think for a second that God's Word is telling you that Martha was absolutely having the time of her life doing this stuff. It doesn't tell us that. All it does tell us is that she was distracted by the preparations. So what, what's she distracted from? We already know that she wants Jesus. She wants to spend time with Him. But this stuff is distracting her and she's occupied with so much that she's missing out on her time with the Lord. Listen, this, this is my theory and I, you, you can disagree and I'm not saying that this is from Scripture, but I want to tell you what I think. Luke 10, 38 through 42 is not about people who like details. Luke 10, 38 through 42 is not about personality differences and one being better than the other. Luke 10, 38 through 42 is about distraction. The story is about distraction. If you are feeling that, if you in your most honest moment would say, oh, I want to be close to Jesus. I want to live for Him. And I am so distracted. I have taken on so much stuff. My life is so loud. My life is so cluttered. Let me tell you something. You're in good company. Martha was in the same place. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to zoom in on what God's Word says about distraction and what distraction can do and how serious distraction is. The pressure's off for you today, okay? I'm not going to pile more stuff to do on you. God wants to free you. God wants to free your family. God wants you to live a quiet life, a focused life, a, a purposeful life in a loud world. Let's continue. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Here's the problem with distraction. Let's zoom in. The problem with distraction is that it will lead you to bitterness. If you're in a season of too much stuff and not enough time, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself turning bitter. Listen to what Martha says to the Son of God. Don't you care? Listen, I've prayed prayers like that before. There have been times in my life where I've been alone and I've prayed to God, God, don't you care? God, don't you know how great I am? Don't you know that I'm trying my hardest to keep my head above water? Let me tell you something. That's an honest sentiment, but it's also a bitter sentiment. Distraction will lead you to bitterness. And here's why. Not, not because of any, anything other than the fact that distraction will keep you from Jesus. Maybe you've had moments like this. Maybe you've had moments in your job or in relationships or with a spouse or with your parents or with a teacher. Maybe you've had this where you've just had a day that just was awful. And there have been things that have come out of your mouth that you're like, whoa, I didn't mean to say that. And you realize, man, I haven't spent time with Jesus in kind of a long time. See, when you're distracted and you're not spending time with the Lord, you're going to get to a place of bitterness. I believe that Martha wanted to get this stuff done so that she could be with Jesus. But it was just too much. But I believe that's what she wanted because the words already tell me. She opened her home to him. I want to be close to Jesus. Many of you want to be close to Jesus, but we get so distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. Look at verse 41. Martha, Martha. I love it, it says it twice. Parents, you ever have that with your kid? 
I have, I have a son and a daughter, Jonah and Finley, and sometimes I'm like, Jonah? 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 I just keep saying it, right? So Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Few things are needed. I want you to hear what Jesus is telling Martha because it's what he's telling you and it's what he's telling me. You are worried. Me too. We are worried and upset about so many things and the Son of God is saying to us, few of them are needed. So few of them are needed. Living a life of purpose and uprightness, living a life that blesses people is something that Jesus wants for you and he wants for me, but we waste so much time on stuff that doesn't matter. Jesus says, indeed, only one thing is needed. Look what Mary's doing. She's spending time with me. One thing is needed. As you bounce from appointment to appointment and from school stuff to work stuff with a little bit of church stuff squeezed in, you have to feel that. You, I feel it, that hollowness of driving around, like, what am I doing? Why haven't I spent time with Jesus for the last eight days? Oh, because I've been too busy. Deep in your soul and deep in my soul, we know all of the stuff we've got that isn't helping us get any closer to Jesus. It distracts us. Let's look at the rest of the verse. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What an unbelievably convicting phrase. It will not be taken away from her. I want to give you a couple of examples. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the first one is not spiritual at all, okay? So heads up. But we'll get more spiritual as we go. Years ago, I hadn't been working at Bethel very long, maybe a couple of years. I didn't tell the first service this, but I'll tell you, because y'all are obviously better. Um, So... One of my things that I love to do, Ross has talked about a little bit, is I, um, I like writing songs. So part of my ministry here, obviously I write worship songs uh, for us to sing, but sometimes, occasionally, I'll send those songs off to like publishers and to see if anybody wants to record them. And, and when you do that, once or twice a year, if someone's using your song, you get like a royalty statement. You get like a little check, right? And so I got a check, and it was... It was the biggest royalty check I'd ever seen. Now, don't get excited. It was like $48, but I was so excited, right? And so we got this royalty check in, and Kristen said, well, what are we going to do with this? And so we decided we were going to take a really nice vacation. Now, this is going to come as a surprise to you, but I'm not very fancy, okay? Anybody surprised by that? No, not at all. So we decided, Kristen and her girlfriends had taken this little trip about a year before, and she's like, I know the place. Let's take the kids to the beach. I'm like, no, I've been to the beach. I've done the beach. She goes, no, 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 no. I want you to go, we're going to go to this place called Rosemary Beach. And she pulls up these pictures of this place in Florida. I thought they were screen caps from the Truman Show. I mean, remember the Truman Show? Like the streets are clean and people are riding bikes and hugging necks, you know, and it's like you're stepped into 1972 again. I mean, that's what Rosemary Beach looked like. She said, now look, this is an expensive trip, but I think the kids would love it. Let's go to Rosemary Beach. And so we start looking at the money situation and looking at condos, and we decide, we think it'd be really fun, and it was fun, if we would invite some friends. So we invite our friends, Tom and Laura, and their girls. So they had three girls, and their oldest girl brought a friend. And so we're going to 
rent this big condo. And we're going to spend the week at the beach. And so we all, man, we caravan to Florida. You know, we're keeping up to, we had walkie-talkies back then, I think. It was so exciting, you know. We thought we were like truckers or something, you know. And so we, we drive to Florida. We get to Florida. We have a great week. And then at the end of the week, we take the beach picture. Now, some of you know about the beach picture. White shirt, khaki pants or shorts. Some of you have worn blue in yours. That's okay. You're obviously not as spiritual as we were. We were white. So we take the beach picture and we take it on, you know, Thursday night or Friday night, whenever we're going to leave the next day. And we go, Laura was a photographer, and we go down to the beach and it's perfect. I mean, we're tan, we're relaxed. All the kids are looking at the camera. Laura even had to set up like a remote timer for it to work. The golden rays of the sun are glinting off the way. It's like a beautiful picture. I'd show it to you, but I was way skinnier then, and that would make me sad to show you. But let me just tell you, it's a perfect picture. It's the ultimate picture. And we have that picture at our house. And I see that picture on a pretty regular basis. And I'm going to tell you something. I can't remember anything about that night. I can look at it and say, wow, we look good. Oh, the kids are smiling. I can't remember anything about that picture, even though it was perfect, even though everything was taken care of. You know what I do remember? Two days before, we take the kids on a pirate cruise. This is where like, it's like this ratty old boat that a carny drives, you know? It's like, you go and pay $22 a person for him to drive you around a little key, you know. But our kids are so excited because they get the hat and they get the sword. And so we're all in line there and we're all paying our $22 per person for this horrible thing. And, and one of Tom's daughters wants to hold her ticket, okay. And so Tom's like, well, baby, we can't do that because to walk up the boat, it's like this, it's like a gangplank up the boat. And he's like, you're going to drop your ticket in the water, and then we'll be in a bad way. Well, and I can't remember if it was Claire or Megan, but Claire and Megan, they, they, whoever it was, they tuned up right there in front of the carny taking the tickets. I mean, it was like, it was a bad situation. People are waiting in line. And so you can just see Tom getting more and more stressed. And listen, we've all done it. We've all done it. He relents. He says, all right, you take the ticket and you hold on. And if anything happens, you're not going on this deal. 30 seconds later, gust of wind comes through and the ticket's just, and it hits the water. And Claire or Megan, whoever it was, is now screaming, right? They're crying. Tom is like doing this thing, like, do I dive in and get the ticket? Do I, do I go back? And you can just see the rage, like just coming up on his face. And my kids are holding their ticket like so tight now. And Megan's crying and, and Lauren and Chris are already on the boat like, what's going on over there? And Tom's trying to get the, the, the attention of the carny and I'm laughing my head off because this is like the most ridiculous thing ever. And that's what I remember about that trip. I remember all the chaos. And listen, we laughed about, we still laugh at Tom because of that. It was chaos. It wasn't perfect. It was wild. And, 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 and to most people, they would say, man, that was just way too nutty. That was way... No, listen, that's what I remember. And all the chaos and all the, all the weirdness of that story, that's what I remember. I don't remember the perfect beach picture. Let me get a little bit more spiritual. 
I'll turn 41 next month. I know I don't look like it. You don't have to say it. But I've been leading worship since I was a teenager, okay? And, uh, you know, 20 plus years of leading worship. And I don't get to have this conversation as much as I would like to. But I will tell you that in over 20 years of leading worship, my favorite thing to ever ask anybody, and I don't get to do it enough, is to ask them what's their favorite uh, worship experience. Like, hey, when's a time in your life where you felt the closest to God? But just in a worship environment, what's, what's the time where you have felt the most worshipful, the most connected to the Lord? And I will tell you what, what, to my knowledge, no one's ever said. No one's ever told me, oh, I went to this concert. There were like 10,000 people. There was a laser show and there was a smoke machine and they had video screens and they were synced up to what the band was playing. And I just felt so close to God there. I've never heard that. Oh, we went to hear my favorite Christian celebrity speak and I got an autograph. And once I got the autograph, that, that, I, was, I was really close to that. No one ever says that. You know what people say? They say stuff like this. You know what, man? I went on this retreat with just like my community group and, and we didn't have a sound system or a, anything. We had a guitar and it was missing one string and it was kind of out of tune. And we led worship. Somebody led worship around the fire, just us just sitting around and it was kind of hot outside, but it was an amazing experience. That's the closest I've ever felt to God. Or somebody will say, you know what, man? I was a part of a foot washing ceremony and it was awkward and weird and it was just a few people. But by the time I was done, I felt so close to God. Jesus says that the that the, the perfect stuff, the, all the organization, all the distraction stuff, all the bells and whistles, Jesus tells Martha, hey, Mary, the thing that Mary's doing, that's the thing that won't be taken away from her. There's nothing wrong with having a kid on the basketball team. There's nothing wrong with working overtime. There's nothing wrong with taking a class. There's nothing wrong with carpooling. or All, all those things that I said, there's nothing wrong with those things. But when it's all said and done, you're not going to remember those. I don't care how many soccer trophies are on the mantle for your kids. I don't care how many promotions you get at your work when it's all said and done. When you breathe your last, that stuff will be taken away from you. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, what Mary is doing, time with me. You only need one thing. Look at her. This will not be taken away from her. Here's the deal. When I'm not worship leader here anymore, whether I ever move or I literally pass away on the platform while singing, I mean, if I'm here till the very end, let me tell you something. You are not going to stand around and talk about, man, he picked good songs. Man, his voice was really pretty. What you're going to say is, hopefully, man, I got to love people and he loved Jesus. My hope, my prayer is that it was evident from his life that God loved spending time with Jesus. I'm telling you, if you want to live a purposeful, quiet, singular, focused life in a loud world, you've got to make room. You've got to have the guts to let the chaos happen a little bit so that you have time with Jesus. That is what will make the difference in your life. And if by chance you have to pull your family aside or you have to make this decision if you're a single person where you cut something out of your life, hey, we're going to cut this out so that we can spend time with Jesus. As painful as it may be, I want to tell you something. That's something you'll never, ever, ever forget. It's something your kids will never, ever 
forget. This is something that will not be taken away from you. Time with Jesus is the most important thing. Jesus says so few things are needed. And so today, the Lord may be convicting you about that. I mean, listen, we, we, we opened the service with this. The Lord may be telling you, hey, I need you to cut something out of your life so you can join this Hurricane Harvey team that Jeff is leading. Lord may be telling you, hey, I need you to go every month. Ladies, the Lord may be telling you, you need to be in a Bible study. And that may confound everything you've got planned. It may be the hardest thing in the world. But for some of you, the Lord may be convicting you and say, have the guts to cut something out so that you can spend time with me. Maybe it's those international students we talked about. I know that cooking food and showing up at a thing and talking to people you don't know, I know that that's awkward. I know that that's chaos. But it may be that Jesus is calling you to do exactly that, to step into the chaos, to step into the unpreparedness, to step into it and say, Jesus, I don't want to be distracted. I want to serve you and I want to be with you. Or a whole host of other things he might be convicting you about. Those are just three. I don't know what God's convicting you about. But I know that he wants time with you and he wants you to be free from distraction. So few things are needed. Indeed, only one. So I'm going to have the band come up as we close. And, and this is how I, 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 we do it sometimes and I think it would help us today. So the band's going to play and you're welcome to sing along with them if you want to. Um, but we're just going to let the band play and I'm going to ask you to pray a couple of things. And so, first of all, I just encourage you to just ask the Lord, Lord, is there something I need to cut out of my life? Is there something you're calling me to that I need to make some room for? So first of all, ask Him. I believe He'll answer you. I believe He'll reveal that to you. But secondly, pray, God, will you give me the guts to do this? Will you help me? Because this is a little bit weird. What, what you're calling me to do is a little bit strange. And that you'd pray that God would help you and would strengthen you for what he's calling you to do. I believe he'll answer that as well. And so the band's going to play. I'm going to pray in just a second, then the band will play, and we'll just be quiet before the Lord for a couple of choruses, and then, then I'll dismiss us at the end. But let's, let's do that. Let's just, um, let's just pray and ask the Lord to reveal what he has for us. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us to a life of purpose. And God, you know we're not, we're not able to keep it from you. This, this thing, living for you, spending time with you, it's hard. And it seems like it's getting harder every day. There's so much stuff, so much distracting us. God, first of all, would you reveal to us what you're calling us to? And secondly, would you give us the guts to do it? Would you give us the boldness and the wisdom to work it out, to figure out how to do this? Would you help us? Would you teach us? Lord, we'll be quiet before you now. We'll listen to you. God, if there are those in the room today who don't know you, I pray that you would convict them and speak to them. That, God, you're calling them to fellowship, to salvation, to new life. For those who do know you, Lord, I pray that you would make it clear what your call is. Lord, speak to us now. In the name of Jesus.